Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today's podcast episode is being sponsored by Chris and Renee Treblehorn in honor of their son, Aaron. Renee writes, So here we are on your second birthday away from us trying to memorialize you because you were important and a beautiful soul. You loved all life and wanted to help everyone and everything. When a large fish was stuck in a dammed up part of the river at confirmation camp, you rescued it and put it back into the stream. You would fill a room with your love and gentleness. Nearly everyone was drawn to you and you made them feel important and worthy. You never wanted anyone to be alone or feel alone. Aaron Elliot Treblehorn, we love you and miss you so very much and absolutely hate that we even need to do this to honor you. Happy 23rd birthday in heaven. Love mom, dad, your brothers, and your sister. Thank you, Chris and Renee, for honoring your son, Aaron, in such a beautiful way and sharing him with us. If you would like to sponsor a podcast episode in honor of your child, just go to gpshope.org and click on the Sponsor a Podcast Episode under the Donate tab. I will also put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you for hanging out with me for a while today as we talk about something that I can get pretty passionate about, which is the topic of not having enough faith to save our child from death. Have you ever been told the reason something bad is happening in your life is because you either don't have enough faith or because maybe you're not walking in your God-given kingdom authority? I have. And yes, there are times those things may be true, but having enough faith or authority does not mean we will never again be affected by this sinful fallen world in a way that hurts or even shatters us. Eventually, those who hold to this Christian, I call it a golden ticket, belief either become angry with God for failing them or they condemn themselves when something devastating happens like the death of our child. And we blame ourselves or even worse, get blamed by others for not having enough faith to keep it from happening. Some believers in Christ are taught that being a Christian is like having a golden ticket to a good life. They're told when we trust God and we stand on his word, nothing bad will happen to us or our family. And these are based on scripture verses that we will receive an instant miraculous healing in our bodies. Also based on verses about healing in the Bible. We're told that our finances will be overflowing with abundance, which are, once again, based on pulled-out Bible verses, and, well, you get the idea of this golden-ticket Christianity. Some of us have been told that if these positive things don't happen, it's because we either don't have enough faith or we're not using our authority in Christ. Now, let me stop and say before I go any further that I believe God's Word is truth, And let me also say that I do not have a full and complete understanding of God in his word, 
just like no one else on this earth has a complete and full understanding of God and his word. None of us have the entire truth that we can just share with others. We have pieces and bits of truth and the Holy Spirit continues to open his word to us and show us more truth. But we all, every single one of us, have blind spots in our walk with God and what we believe is truth. We are constantly growing in truth. Back in 1985, most of you are familiar with my story, but our three-year-old daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And she was facing having her tiny little left leg amputated because it was in the bone and going through chemotherapy. And I was convinced that if I had enough faith, she would be healed. And I told anybody and everybody that she was going to be healed and not need the amputation. And my thought process was that the more I spoke it out in faith and the more people I told, then the more God would have to honor his word and heal her. Now, our church also did 40 days of prayer and fasting for her healing, along with two other women who had also been diagnosed with cancer during the same time. The morning the amputation was scheduled, x-rays were taken to make sure they knew exactly where to make the cut on her leg. And I was sure that somebody would come back shocked, saying the tumor was gone, and so they didn't need to amputate or do any more chemo, and everybody would just be, you know, excited about this miracle that God had done for my daughter. But that did not happen. And I can still picture her looking over the shoulder of the big male nurse who had taken her out of my arms to carry her back through the doors for the procedure as she lifted up and slowly waved to us. And yeah, that memory still grips my heart and can bring tears to me, as you can tell. <laughs> and this was well over 30 years ago now. For a long time, I questioned what I did wrong that left my daughter still needing this horrible procedure, which would affect her for the rest of her life. We also had some Christians telling us that we must not have had enough faith or that we needed to learn how to walk in more of our God-given authority. And people even, I know there was someone that even gave us a book on this topic to help us grow in our faith. I look back at it now and I think how horrible and cruel it was to tell a fellow believer that our daughter's cancer and amputation was our fault because we were not strong enough in our Christian walk and we did not have enough faith. Otherwise, this would not have gone through. There are many scriptures to support how our faith stops the enemy, and learning how to walk in our kingdom authority is powerful, and it is effective against the enemy's advances against us, and we do need to learn and grow in this. But does that mean that if something which is obviously evil and not from God hits us, that we are at fault for not being strong enough in faith or authority to stop it? Well, let's look at the Word of God to consider an answer to this question. Moses was instructed directly by God to go back to Egypt to release the people of Israel from slavery and lead them into the land which they had been promised 400 years earlier, and instead they became slaves in a foreign land. 
Now, Exodus 3 tells us, as Moses obeyed God, that it got worse for the people as Pharaoh came down hard on them before they were released. We can see that in Exodus chapters 3 through 13. After they got their breakthrough and they were set free and heading toward the promised land, God led them. We know he was leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And so God led them specifically to a place where they were cornered by the enemy. And once again, things looked much worse after God stepped in and started leading them. They were very upset, not knowing that God had a bigger plan, and they thought they were all going to die and be slaughtered. God performed a miracle, causing the water to separate, giving the people an escape route in Exodus 14. None of these events had anything to do with the people's lack of faith and everything to do with God having a plan that could not be seen at the time of extreme difficulty. Now, we know that as they kept going for 40 years, it did become an issue of faith and belief and resting and trusting in God. But at the beginning, that was not the case. Then there's Job. Can you believe God called Satan's attention to Job? And then he allowed Satan to mess with him in such devastating ways. It did not matter how much faith Job had in God's goodness. From what I read, the Lord had lifted his hedge of protection from Job and he let the enemy attack him time after time. He lost his wealth. He lost all of his children. He lost his health. And in the end, God restored his health, his wealth, and he did have more children. We know that our children cannot be replaced, but he did have more children. Okay, so those are examples under the Old Covenant. What about in the New Testament, the New Covenant? Well, what about when Jesus told Peter in Luke chapter 22, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen the others. Jesus did not tell Peter, when the enemy comes to attack you, just take your God-given authority and use your faith to cast him off and everything will be fine. He'll just go away. Yes, Peter was later filled with the Holy Spirit and he did grow immensely in his faith, but that was still not a guarantee to a life with no trials or instant deliverance. And that was for any of the apostles. History tells us that 11 out of the 12 died horrific, torturing deaths. Then there is the Apostle Paul. If anyone knew how to walk in faith and his God-given authority, he was the man. Paul is also the one who wrote the most about our faith and our authority, instructing us to grow in these areas to defeat the enemy. And yet Paul himself tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he has had far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings, often near death. Five times, he says, I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At night and a day I was adrift at sea. 
on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. According to some modern Christianity teachings, that means Paul had a huge lack of faith if he found himself in all of those situations. But uh, my question is, was it because Paul had not yet learned to have enough faith to keep these things from happening to him? I highly doubt it. Some of us have been told that we show a lack of faith when we give the cop-out prayer of, if it's God's will. I've been told many times that praying that way shows a lack of faith in God's word and stops him from moving in our lives because we're just not decreeing and declaring what God says. And we're doing this little cop out, if it's your will, God, that that means kind of we're praying wimpy prayers. But someone needs to tell that to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because when they were threatened with death, their famous cop out answer was, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You can find their response that I just read to you in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. That's quite the cop-out answer, wasn't it? They said, God will deliver us, but if he doesn't. In other words, they were leaving room for God's sovereign hand and his will to be done. Then there is Hebrews 11, which is often referred to as the faith chapter. This part of the Bible lists out those who stood in faith and gained what was promised. And it also lists out those who did not live to see the answer they were standing in faith to see. What's up with that? Guess what I have learned over the years? Faith is almost exactly the same thing as trust. As a matter of fact, in the translation called the Complete Jewish Bible, you will not see the word faith in there. It is always translated as trust. For example, back in Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Trusting, instead of faith, is being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. That is trust, isn't it? Romans 1.17 in the complete Jewish Bible words it this way, it is revealed how God makes people righteous in his sight, and from beginning to end, it is through trust. As the Tanakh puts it, but the person who is righteous will live his faith by trust. And when I realized that, that I could replace the word faith with the word trust because it really is, that's what faith is. It's putting our trust in the Lord, our trust in God and his love for us and in his purposes for us and his sovereignty and all that comes with that. When I see that as trust, well, it changed everything for me. It has given me a whole new revelation, which has answered so many questions in the arena of my faith walk, including when my daughter Becca died. I have always felt like faith is something I have to figure out how to have enough of based on what I do. Things like when Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. 
while I have to either be speaking out the word or listening to someone preaching a lot throughout my day to build up my faith big enough to have no more problems. But I can never quite seem to get to the point where I do it enough to have that perfect life that some Christians say the Bible tells us we're supposed to have here on earth. Anyone else out there ever feel that way? How do I have enough faith to make these bad things stop happening to me? When I realized the truth that trust can be equated as having faith, I realized that I no longer had to figure out how to conjure up enough faith. What I needed to do was learn how to trust God more. And I can do that so much easier to lean back into God, to fall into God, to learn how to trust him just feels so much easier to me than figuring out how to keep growing my faith, having enough faith. What do I do to get enough faith? How much is enough? So the adventure began of learning how to trust my Abba, Daddy, Father God, which was essentially learning how to rest in my Daddy God's incredible and extravagant love for me. As I said earlier, my daughter Becca died, and it was 26 years later from heart damage, which was caused by the chemotherapy she had when she was three. And once again, I, I felt blindsided because I truly believed God was going to heal her heart, either miraculously or through a needed heart transplant. But this time, it was different than the healing I was expecting when she was three. Because my faith was no longer an audacious presumption that God was a genie to grant my wishes, using the Bible as my lamp to rub to get what I wanted. This time, it was based on a precious trust I had come to have in knowing my daddy God in a very deep and personal, intimate way. And when I asked God about the fact that my faith was not met with the healing of my daughter and she died and how blindsided I was by that, he gave me one of the most precious answers I think I could have had. And it was not the Christian cliche answer. Well, he did answer your prayer. I did answer your prayer because she's healed now and she's with me in heaven. Don't you just hate that? We know it's true, but oh, when someone else tells us that, oh, I just bristle. But what God did was he reminded me of Hebrews eleven six, that says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, remember, if we turn that into trust, without trust, it is impossible to please him. And he told me in my heart that my faith, that trusting my daughter's life with him, no matter what decision was made on the other end, had brought him so much pleasure. Wow. I was amazed and I was in awe that I would bring God pleasure by how much I trusted him with my daughter's healing and with her life. Let me summarize all this up for you, what I have just shared. Faith is not equivalent to using God as a magic genie to grant your wishes for a good life, using verses from the Bible as the lamp that you rub to get what you want from God. Faith is essentially equivalent to trust. You can't trust someone you don't know. And that means in order to be able to trust God, you must get to know him deeply and intimately. Not because I, I know I thought I knew who God was when Becca died, 
But boy, it sent me, and even, I guess it goes back to when Becca had the cancer and had her leg amputated when she was only three. I thought I knew who God was, but it sent me on a journey of faith that actually was a journey on discovering who he really is. And that makes a big difference in knowing God or knowing faith in God. I I don't know if I'm making sense, but there is a difference. And the last thing here is the more you get to know God as your loving Abba Daddy, the more you will know and experience his deep, unconditional love for you, which makes it even easier to trust him more, putting you in a wonderful circle of more love and more trust, or if you want to call it faith, no matter what is happening in your life, I trust him more and I I know his love more, which means I trust him more, which means I get to experience his love more. And it just becomes a circle going in the in the direction of love and trust instead of the other way of mistrust and feeling like I'm further away from him. I'm getting closer and closer to him and experiencing more deeply his love. And I know it may not seem like love when our child dies and our faith has been shattered, but that is the journey it puts us on. The bottom line is whether we like it or not, trust or faith means unanswered questions. If we knew the answers, we wouldn't need to trust him, would we? We would not have to increase our faith or our trust if we knew the answers. I want to encourage you to give God pleasure by trusting him more. And if that's hard for you, be like Jairus who said, I believe, help my unbelief. Cry out to him and ask him to help you with this. Spend time with him, just thinking with him, thinking thoughts, sharing your heart with him, and then pausing and letting him bring thoughts into your heart and your mind. Write it down. That was probably the biggest part of my journey those first few years is I would write down my thoughts to God and then I would just write whatever came back to me. And I I wouldn't think about it really. I would just write and then I would go back and read what I had written. And there's no way that what I wrote was my own thoughts. That was God answering my questions and responding back to me. And that was huge during those first two or three years. So spend time with him. Spend time in his word if you can. And really seek for the verses that are going to encourage you, not those Christian cliches, not the things that we struggle with, but you will be amazed at how many verses the Holy Spirit will bring to you if you want him to that will actually strengthen you and not hurt you or confuse you further. They are in there. There are so many scriptures. But I realize some of us are not ready for that. That's okay. But spend time with him in intimate worship and conversations with him. The more you do these things, even if it's just sitting in his presence, here I am, God, I don't feel anything, I'm mad at you, whatever, but here I am. (laughs) Just be with him. As you do that more and more, the easier it will be to believe that he really does love you with an extravagant love that's so incredible that he would give his own life in exchange for yours because that is exactly what he did. He cannot show you any more deeply how much he loves you than what he already did 
by dying in your place for you and in the place for your child so that we will not be separated by our children forever. We won't be separated from God. And this is only temporary. And he made a way for us to be in that place with him when this is over and our time here is over. It's, I mean, he has already shown us how extravagant that love is. We just need to be able to receive that and see it and have a deeper revelation personally of that. And with that kind of proof of his love, I think that I can trust him in this life to do what he knows is best for me and my child who is with him now. And you can trust him too. This past week, we added five more In Loving Memory Hearts to the Hope Mobile, and that puts us up to 120 of our children and loved ones going on the road with us as we travel the nation. We'll be pulling out in less than two weeks from Wisconsin and doing eight months of traveling. People do walk around to see the names of our kids and where they are from, and we would love to add your son or daughter to the Hope Mobile. You can honor the memory of your child by letting us place, like I said, an in-loving memory heart on the Hope Mobile. It's our 38-foot motorhome that we live in full-time, and it's also a way to support the ministry of GPS Hope so that we can continue to bring you support and resources and other perivers, other parents who have lost their child who are coming up behind you. There are seven colors to choose from, and we will video call you so that you can choose the spot and watch us place your child's heart on the Hope Mobile, and we'll send you a picture of it as well. If you don't have a way to do a video call, we will lovingly place the heart for you, and we will send you a photo of it. For more information, to see the hearts or to request an in loving memory heart for your child, go to gpshope.org slash heart decal. There will also be a link for this in the show notes. I also want to mention, if you are a new listener, you can join over 2,000 others in receiving a weekly word of hope that I write, and it gets sent to your inbox. We don't spam you or give out email addresses, so it is safe with us, and it's also easy to unsubscribe anytime you no longer want to receive the weekly word of hope by clicking the provided link in each email. So go to gpshope.org slash hope to sign up for this. Let's go ahead and go on to our weekly birthday segment. Rebecca Blackup was born on August 14th and left us at age 20. Joshua Egloff was born on August 15th and left us at age 22. Aaron Treblehorn was born on August 16th and left us at age 21. Jeremy Bornemeyer was born on August 16th and left us at age 32. Jaden Phillips was born on August 17th and she left us at age 18. We celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world as we know it will always be an important day for us and one that we want to continue to celebrate. I know it's bittersweet though, isn't it? If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday and shared with our listeners, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org 
slash birthdays. Just fill out the information, including the pronunciation, please, if the name is often mispronounced because I do want to say it correctly for you. And just submit it, and we will add your son or daughter to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. And you will also get an email from Dave to remind you to listen to the episode that week. I can have a bold faith in scriptures or parts of scriptures I have picked out, believing God is going to do exactly what I think those scriptures promise me. Or I can have a trust that comes from knowing my God intimately so that when I stand on the promises in his word, I also turn the situation over to him knowing he is in full control no matter what I see or feel or hear. Sometimes I believe our faith can get in the way of God's greater plan because so much of our spiritual growth actually comes through adversity. And when God knows somehow by his miraculous ways that a greater good can come from a trial or a tragedy Sometimes he will trump our faith and our authority with his greater good, especially when we have a heart that wants his will to be done over our own will. And I know that when we're in the darkness of this, we feel like it is impossible. There is nothing good that can come from the death of my child. I was there. I did not understand this verse. It made no sense to me. I wanted to just get it out of my Bible because how can something good possibly come from something so horrible? So I know how that feels, and I remembered thinking those things. But God does not need our opinions or our demands which a lot of times we disguise it as faith in order to do his job as being God. He needs our trust. He needs our belief in his ability to see, to know, and do what we cannot see here on this earth in our limited humanness and to what we cannot know and what we cannot do. Faith is not what God will do but that God will be. He will be who we need through the things here on this earth when we let him and ask him to be there for us in the ways that he knows we need, even more than we know ourselves what we need. I have not said all this to discount faith or to discourage anyone from growing in learning how to walk in our God-given authority. These things are a must. I have shared all this to remind us that God is still bigger than our faith and our authority. He's sovereign, and he has the final word on everything. If you have done all you know to do, trust God with the outcome. This is especially true when your faith is met with resistance or the opposite happens of what you were believing in faith. Don't quit and don't blame God for being God, which means he is so much bigger than our thoughts and ways with so much more understanding of the big picture seen through the eyes of eternity. It also helps to remind ourselves that this world isn't it. When each of us leaves this place, we will be in a place of eternity that will not have the trials and tragedies and the enemy will no longer be able to touch us and your child and Becca is there right now. I know we would rather have them here with us, but that is 
honestly our own pain and selfishness, and we're not thinking about how good they have it right now. It was not your fault that your child died because you did not have enough faith in some area. If that has been a struggle for you, I want you to release yourself from that right now. As the Apostle Paul, who knows what he's talking about, wrote, having done all, stand. That is true faith. Standing when the enemy has tried to take you out, believing that going after our child would permanently take us, you and me, under. As a dad told me this week, I refuse to let him win by keeping me down. He is not going to take me out by taking out my son. I will not give the enemy that kind of a victory. I know it takes a while, even a few years, for many of us to get to that place, but you can. You can have faith, you can have trust that God will get you through this. And until then, hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.